have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. I want to insulate uh, my crawl space. What's your opinion on putting plastic uh, uh, on the dirt floor? Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor, and now Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. Uh, first statement I would make about crawl spaces under modern-day construction, you're going to put plastic down if you want to get an inspection. It's actually There's a section in the building code that requires that today. So I strongly encourage it, even before it was in the building code. This is something that I have always done. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time answering the questions that are important to you, today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email questions to our website. That is KenTheContractor.com. Did you know that energy-efficient home improvement tax credits are back Yes, I did say they're back, and most of us probably don't know that. This may be your motivation uh, to move ahead with some upgrades on areas like insulation, appliances, or maybe replacing those old drafty windows and doors that you have around the house. Now, as we've talked about on this show and so many others have in the last year, all of those energy-efficient federal government tax credits were scheduled to expire at the end of last year, and indeed they did. However... The House and the Senate committees passed legislation to extend tax credits for these energy-efficient improvements that were put back in motion with the signing of the bill the first of this year. That was part of the tax American Taxpayer Relief Act that went into effect. Now, I guess that's one of the good sides of the bad because many of us also recognize that payroll taxes are up. So if you're in a position that you're thinking about doing some of these changes or modifications to your home, I want you to take advantage of these tax credits. But I want you to do it right and a few things you need to know up front. First, the tax credit is available for qualifying equipment. So it's not just all equipment or all work that you do around the house. Uh, for equipment purchased and home improvements performed between now both 2012 and 2013. So a lot of us are sitting down filing our taxes right now for last year. You may find that if you have the appropriate receipts and documentation, you'll have to file a special form. But if you have the appropriate receipts and documentation for 2012, you may be eligible for many of those that were on the books or some that may be affected by the enactment of this new law. You'll need to file a tax form 5696, but your tax preparer will know that. What I do want to tell you about are some of the areas that you can benefit moving forward in 2013 as you look at home renovation and maintenance items. The things that are included, for example, that you may be eligible for 10% of the cost of the product, not labor, but the cost of the product up to $500 on certain items uh, will involve biomass stoves. Now, as we're in these colder months, and I have a number of questions that have come to me just recently about biomass heating, if you have not changed to one of those, but you're still toying with it, you're thinking about it, you may be eligible for some tax reduction that will help, in a sense, reduce the cost of that biomass stove. Also, typical heating, ventilation, and air conditioning systems, we call that HVAC, if you need to replace that old energy inefficient central heat pump that you have. You're saying it's 15 years old and it probably has a SEER of 10, maybe 11. Now's your opportunity to jump up to a SEER rating of a 15, a 16. You'll lower your operating cost instantly every single month 
but you also will find that if you're buying a qualified piece of equipment, it'll need to be Energy Star rated, and I'll tell you where to go to check this out here shortly, you may be eligible for a several hundred dollar rebate. That also will have the effect of lowering the cost of this system. Insulation is one of the areas we also get instant payback on, not just energy-efficient HVAC units. So if you have no insulation or limited insulation, especially you want to be beefing up the insulation in that attic space, that still qualifies for the tax credit. If you need to replace your roof, you want to look at metal or asphalt shingles on your roof. Many of those will qualify. Not all. You need to pay special attention to those that qualify. Certain colors, because they're more energy efficient, will qualify. If you need a new water heater, non-solar, just a water heater, a more energy efficient water heater, be sure it qualifies as Energy Star rated, but you'll find yourself receiving or at least eligible for tax rebates. And then windows and doors, the ever-popular thing that says, hey, I fight this every winter, I've got cold drafts coming through here, I've got single-pane glass. You will also find that if they are a qualified product, you can receive a tax rebate. Now, a few other areas, maybe not as common, but geothermal heat pumps. I have questions periodically on that. Geothermal heat pumps small wind turbines, and solar energy systems are systems that qualify for 30% of the cost with no upper limit. So, by example, if you're spending $8,000 on a geothermal heat pump system, you may be eligible for a tax credit of $2,400, which says your bottom line for this geothermal heat pump is $5,600. Now, folks, that is very, very substantial because there's no upper limit. And the same would apply for small wind turbines and small energy systems. Now, if you want to know more about this, once you go to my website, kenthecontractor.com, and click on the link regarding Energy Star and tax rebates. That's where you'll find everything you need to know. Uh, let's sneak in an email here from uh, Easley, South Carolina. It is Sharon Ken who has a question about upgrading her windows. Well, this question is timely considering what I just talked about. It said, my husband and I live in an 82-year-old southern home. We love the house, but it's not energy efficient. We've established a budget for remodeling this year. One of our priorities is replacing the old single-pane windows in the house. I know we need insulated glass to be more energy efficient, but do we need to spend the money uh, for what my supplier calls is a triple-pane glass? Well, Sharon, certain parts of the country, the triple-glazed or triple-insulated glass is very energy efficient and worth the money. You're living in the Deep South, and I would suggest to you that you may want to talk with some of the several different people in your area, maybe an architect or engineer that designs HVAC systems, those people that do thermal calculations. I don't believe, if I'm in your situation, that I'm going to spend the money for a triple glazed or, th- or three uh, glass panel in my windows living in the deep south. Now, I know it gets a little chilly. You may have some snow occasionally in the Greenville area. But, again, I don't think you're going to find it worth the money. I would at least ask the people that I'm taking bids from, and I want you to take three bids. You hear me say this over and over. I want you to get three bids for labor and material if you're not installing yourself. And I also want you to establish the same spec for the same windows so you can compare those prices. But I would ask for a price for the triple glaze. I don't think you would ever see a payback living that far south for the added money for the triple glaze. And if you really want to know for sure, a, and a local engineer that does HVAC can run calculations and share that information with you. Clearly, you need the double pane. I'm glad you're on top of it. Also, what you're doing, if you're using the right equipment or the right materials, may qualify for rebates that I just talked about through Energy Star and the U.S. government. 
Yeah, the triple glaze would be good in what, Wisconsin and North Dakota? Uh, you go to Minnesota, you go to North Con- in, uh, Wisconsin, you're in the northeastern part, say Maine, other areas where you have extreme cold during many of the winters and it's long periods of time. I just don't see a payback in the deep south. Coming up this hour on this edition of Ken the Contractor in our In the News segment, Ken's going to talk about new easy-cleaning porcelain ovens that are now on the market. Plus, we've got the app of the week and also more of your emails and your calls coming up. If you do have a question for Ken Patterson and Ken the Contractor, you can reach him anytime at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can also email questions to the website, KenTheContractor.com. And don't forget about our website, KenTheContractor.com. A lot of very helpful home improvement information right there available online. KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor is here. Weekends at this time, answering the questions that are important to you. Today's homeowner, remember, a house is what you build, a home is what you make it. If you need some help on that project you're dealing with this weekend, just pick up the phone and give us a call at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. We do want to remind you, if you do email us a question, you will get an answer in writing. But Ken goes back and then pulls out some of the more interesting uh, email questions and brings them to the radio. And we've got one right now. Where's this first one come from? This one comes to us from Roger out of Dansville, Michigan. And Roger, we appreciate your writing us. I think this is one that probably would be of interest to a number of listeners. And you're telling me that your house was built in the 1940s and you have the original 9 by 9 vinyl floor tile still in certain parts of the home. He said, I have been told that these contain asbestos, which from that period, I would tell you the chances are about 100% that what you've been told is correct. You're asking me, how can I install a new tile? And do I need a professional to remove the tile? Or can you do it yourself? You're also asking, is it hazardous? And I need some direction on what I thought was a simple weekend job. Well, first, Roger, we appreciate you listening. We thank you for your email. But I do want to tell you that your last comment is so appropriate to most of us. We tend to think we're jumping into something that is a Saturday job that may we've got a couple of vacation days. We're going to be around the house working. We might as well go ahead and knock this out. And it turns out to be more cumbersome and more involved than we thought. So you have readily recognized what I say over and over again, even as a professional, will tell you many times the task takes a little longer than we anticipate up front. To go back to your question, the 9 by 9 floor tiles, anytime we see a 9 by 9 vinyl floor tile, chances are almost 100% that that is an asbestos-containing product. Now, the industry made that for a brief period of time when we started moving away from asbestos where you may you may, but it is rare, find some products into the 60s, uh, even into the early 70s that may not have asbestos or as much in it. But the rule is a 9-inch by 9-inch vinyl tile contains asbestos. Now, before you and others that are listening to me become alarmed, saying, I've been living with this and breathing and talking, uh, walking on top of this for years, is it harmful to me? No, it is not. It is only harmful if these asbestos fibers become airborne, and that's typically what can happen when we start breaking up the tile. These fibers get into the air. They can get into our lungs. That's when a hazardous situation can develop. Now, do you need a professional to remove this? First, I want to tell you, you may not have to remove it. If the tile is is still bonding tightly to the subfloor, 
you can encapsulate it. That's an approved method of dealing with asbestos-containing products, meaning you can put sheet vinyl over the top of it, you can put another underlayment over the top of it, and then do other tile, including ceramic or quarry tile. You can put carpet over it if it's in a space that carpet is appropriate. You can put hardwood over it. So you don't have to remove this tile in order to put a new flooring down. You have multiple options. You can talk to some of your supply houses. They'll give you pointers as well. You can go to my website, kenthecontractor.com, and find more information about how to deal with this. The bottom line is if you're going to take it up, if these particles can become airborne, then you need to be abiding by the EPA standards. You may also need to check with your local code officials and building department to see if special permits or a specialty licensed party is required in your area to properly remove this. So the bottom line there is you can encapsulate it, you can cover it, you don't have to take it up. I would be looking at that first to see if that's a viable option. Also, I want you to go to my website, kenthecontractor.com, and I want you to look and click on the link that identifies the EPA, and there you will find everything you need to know about dealing with asbestos in our single-family homes. We appreciate you listening, and thanks for your email, Roger. All right. Let's see if we can help out Janice here. Janice has something that I don't think any of us are really excited about. She's got snow, which is blowing in a kitchen exhaust hood vent. Janice writes this to us, and uh, I think this is pretty current because Janice is uh, writing to us from Topeka, Kansas. You said, the couple of years I've lived in Topeka, we have not had a lot of snow. The recent snowstorm created many problems in our area. I also noticed in my home that the wind-driven snow is actually pushing snow into my kitchen exhaust hood. said, I've never had rain or other snow come in the past. What do I need to be checking for? Well, Janice, there are several things that are typically in line in not only our kitchen exhaust hoods, but our dryer vents and our bathroom fans that are all vented to the exterior, or in most cases, they're vented to the exterior. To begin with, the first line of defense is typically just a weather hood that's on the outside of the house. And I'm assuming this is vented to the exterior of the home. It is possible that your fan is vented to the roof. So this would still apply. The exterior should have some type of a weather hood or weather shield. Now, within that, there is typically a bird or insect screen or a flap that keeps birds and insects from getting back into the ductwork. And what happens over time, especially if you're in a wind-driven area, that flap on the interior of this weather guard breaks off. It snaps off. You may find it laying on the ground, although if it's snow-covered now, you're not going to see it. In some cases, you can simply snap it back in. In others, you may have to replace that weather hood. But anytime I hear moisture of any type, and sometimes I get calls with people just saying, I've got wind coming in, actually a, a backdraft blowing down through my exhaust hood that I've never had before. That's part of what this is. It's a backdraft damper. So check first and see if that is still in place. Be sure, number one, that the, the hood, the cover itself, has not been damaged or removed by the wind. Then secondly, check to see if that little backdraft damper is still up on the inside. You won't see it from outside uh, just standing in the yard. You'll actually have to look up into it. You may have to put your hand up in there. If you can put your hand back into the ductwork, that backdraft damper is gone. Now, there should be a second line of defense also with most kitchen exhaust hoods. There is a second damper on the inside. But what I would suggest to you first is be sure what's on the exterior is working. If not, replace that. And if this is up on the roof and you're not comfortable with climbing on the roof, get a neighbor, a friend, somebody that does home remodeling that can do this for you. But there should also be a backdraft damper at that location. Because if you've noticed it now, and that's great, hopefully you've had no serious water problem from the snow or staining, but... If you let this go, what you're going to find, if this is the problem, 
is that you end up with all kinds of critters nesting in here. You may have birds with nests laying eggs, perhaps dying in there, not smelling great. I've dealt with all of that. So you really want to pay attention to it and get this, what seems to be very simple issue, fixed. You'll have no more snow, you won't have any rain, and you won't have those pesky critters nesting inside your ductwork and your kitchen hood. Yeah. And for those of you who are dealing with some incredible amounts of snow this winter, we are, our thoughts go out to you. Where this program originates from, we've been fortunate. It's kind of been all around us. But we have not had a major direct hit of any type of substantial winter weather yet. Well, not yet. We hope we don't. It's in our forecast a little of it maybe for the following week. But we've had rain, sleet, freezing rain, black ice. But we've not had what the Midwest has been dealing with. Yeah, the Midwest and also the New England the states. The New England states. They've been clobbered. I want to remind you that if you're out and about doing a project this weekend or anytime you find yourself uh, purchasing products, always look for the Made in the USA label. You know, if you can't do anything, you're saying to help the economy, and you're saying because I just don't have the billions of dollars to solve all these problems, what you can do is spend a few dollars at your local store and make sure that you're buying products made in America because you're doing two things. One, you're keeping that dollar in your community, and it will come back to pay dividends to you in the future. But two, you're employing people in the United States. We do all we can to buy American-made products. We look for sources. And I tell you what we have found in just the last few years that we're finding that American-made products are more competitive than many of those made in other parts of the world. We are also finding that the quality of the product is superior. And if there's any instance to go back and look for parts or pieces, they're readily available. So as always, look for Made in America. We've got to take a break. We'll continue with more. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Don't forget, every weekend, you can reach out to Ken if you have a question or a comment or just need a little bit of help on a project you're dealing with this weekend. You can reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Let's go to the phones once again. It's Jason who joins us right now. Jason, hi. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Jason. I live in a farmhouse that was built in the 1860s, 1870s. And I have a cellar, and in the cellar, my chimney comes down. I have a huge chimney base. And on one side, I have an oil furnace, and on the other side is my wood stove. And the only way the heat from the wood stove comes up to my house is a hole cut through the kitchen floor. And I was wondering if there's any way to hook my wood stove up to the ventilation system where the heat will just rise through the vents. When you say ventilation system, I know you just explained the the fireplace, the chimney, and what you've got in the cellar area, but you're also saying ventilation. Do you have a fork? Well, I mean, uh, my oil furnace, you know, the vent. Okay. All right. so, my oil so you, it is ducted then. It's not a radiant heat, but it's a ducted uh, system, and yeah. it's, it's forced uh-huh. air. Yeah. Okay. Several things you can do, but it's going to take a, a mechanical contractor probably to work with you or at least to give you some advice. If, okay. If, you might be able to do this yourself. But if you're producing the heat from your wood stove, there are um, uh, heat reclaim systems, essentially. It's like a radiator almost, and, and there are different terms for them, heat exchangers and others, that may simply attach to either the the firebox itself on the exterior side or uh-huh. even around a, a flue that comes out of that. And what you're doing is taking that heat and transferring it into a, a ducted system that goes up into your forced air system. Now, this is sort of an add-on. It's an after-the-fact, but these systems are made. There are so many things out there that allow you to recapture heat you've already produced and use that a second and third time. This is done even okay. with generators and engines, so it's a similar concept. And, again, I'll use the phrase heat exchanger because that is a proper term for some of these. 
The other thing that you you may find is this a fairly new wood stove? Yeah, I just bought it last year. Okay, I'd check with the manufacturer or look through the book with that and see if they have a method of piping that heat uh, from the exhaust if it's approved. Some systems are where it can go directly into your ductwork or just in uh, where the fan picks it up and forces it through the system. I have installed systems where manufacturers had, as part of their design, an option where we could pick up heat from a pellet stove, a wood mm-hmm. stove. Uh, it had standard backup, and this would be a traditional split system um, heat pump system that allows right. those units to tie in. So the technology has been there for a number of years. Yeah, because it's like can be 80 degrees in my kitchen and 60 in the living room because the furnace won't cut on and gets that warm everywhere else. Yeah, the the uh, so you've got a central thermostat. You've got one location, then, and you really need yeah. to balance this. And what you don't have probably is any return air, do you? You're just blowing warm air into rooms? Yeah. Yeah, if there's some way you can balance that also, then you're telling me something else that would be helpful to you. If you can find a way of adding a return air to get the air back to where this is being uh, or to circulate that air from room to room back mm-hmm. into where the thermostat is, then you're going to have a tendency to mix or balance that air. And you might do it just with some room fans. Give that a try. Or you may find some transfer grills with some small fans from room to room will do the same thing. But you're blowing all the hot air in one room, the thermostat's being satisfied, and then it's not going anywhere else. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I need to know. But check the technology. Be sure you follow manufacturer's instructions. But if you've got a fairly new wood stove, like you say, I've got to yeah. believe that that manufacturer has means of recapturing that heat and putting it back into another system. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for your call. Jason, thank you. We do appreciate your call. Don't forget, if you've got a question for Ken, you can reach us anytime at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Time now for this week's edition of In the News. A weekly Ken brings products, trends, tips, and services that are important for you to make informed decisions about your home maintenance, purchases, remodeling, and new construction. And this week, we're pleased to tell you that LG Electronics, now LG's a name that's very familiar to many of us, probably have some TV sets and other things hanging around the house, literally with LG on them, but LG Electronics has released for the market their new series of self-cleaning, large-capacity ovens with what they call an AquaClean enamel coating, ACE, or ACE coating. Now, LG says that the ACE has a unique composition of porcelain enamel properties, which allows water to penetrate between the coating surface and food residue that builds up on the inside of our ovens. Now, this helps separate baked-on food from the oven's interior. Now, what makes this somewhat unique is this allows the oven to be cleaned with just water. I did say that, just water and moderate heat, eliminating the need for all of those nasty-smelling chemicals that we've had to use to clean these ovens over the years. Now, the uh, AquaClean enamel coating enables two cleaning functions in their ovens. One is an easy clean feature, which the user simply sprays water inside the oven and then turns on the heating option to remove food residue. A self-cleaning function, which a lot of us are familiar with now and have been around for a long period of time, uses extremely high heat also to remove the traces of the grime that's left after that. Now, with the two cleaning options, the consumers can select one, a speedy manual cleaning or a fully automated process. The coating 
also helps to significantly reduce the time needed for the self-cleaning function. Now, those of you with self-cleaning ovens know that this may take 30 minutes or longer. The temperature will get up to 500 degrees. It is really sucking the power through that meter. So this is not only an easier clean oven, but it will reduce the cost of cleaning that oven if you use the full self-cleaning function because the process only takes about 20 minutes, and that includes that's from turning it on to complete cool-down time. So if you're interested in a new oven, one that's easy to clean, one that's unique in properties and characteristics, and you're in the process of buying it these days, look at the LG Electronics, the AquaClean enamel coating on their ovens. You may also find that this is eligible or qualifies for some degree of tax credit credit based on energy efficiency. All right, we get time for a quick email from Wilson in Amherst, Virginia, and he's got an issue with well water. Yeah, Wilson says that I recently had a new submersible pump installed, and the well company suggested I have the water tested since my well's been in for 19 years. Uh, they tell me that some older wells can become contaminated with runoff over the years, and this is true, especially for those of you living in somewhat rocky areas, if you will, or certainly sloped areas We you look at runoff. So they tested the water, and they found that there is a higher than acceptable bacteria level. They also tell me that I need a chlorination system. How can I be sure, one, that the report's accurate and that I'm not being sold to something that I really don't need? Well, Wilson, I would always suggest two things. I've done this on my own. One, that if you have a bacteria content that's too high in your well, that you may want to have the well company come back and shock that. They're going to treat it with chlorine. They're going to clean it out. It may be that just bacteria has built up in the pipe or even the discharge line over the years or even in recent years. I'd have them shock it, then retest it, and see if the water comes back good. At that point, you're probably fine. But if you feel like you're in an area that is surface-influenced by pastures and other area, then you do want to seriously consider a chlorinator or the very used, a U, at least a UV light, which will do the same thing in killing that bacteria. But whatever you do, you don't want to go on long-term drinking water that has con- that's contaminated above the normal bacteria levels. There's always some, but there's an acceptable level, and then there's not. So very inexpensive UV lights or a chlorination system. Take multiple bids. Yeah, and I'll tell you, you've got a lot of options if you're looking to improve your water quality these days. Well, you can deal not only with filters if you have iron and hard water, but when it comes to bacteria, there are multiple options. These are some of the most common and some of the least expensive ways of treating it. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time answering questions that are important to you, today's homeowner. If you have a question for Ken, you can always reach him at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back to this edition of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. Ken is a Class A licensed contractor who's designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects as well as single family homes up and down the East Coast. He's also owned his own construction company and he now brings those years of experience right here to the radio to help you deal with the issues that are important to today's homeowner. Let's go back to the phones and it's Bobby right now. He's got a problem with the door needs some help. Hi Bobby, you're on the air with Ken. Go right ahead. Hi Ken. Uh... As I was saying earlier, the uh, I just put in the double outside door steel doors that have the glass, full glass in it that has the the blinds inside the the sealed glass. Okay. And anyway, it has uh, a threshold across the bottom that is uh, adjustable. That supposedly you could pop those little caps off, and and screw them up so that it fits tight against the door. Well, my problem is, as it's all the way down, 
it's still so tight I can't hardly get the doors open. And I'm afraid, you know, that I'm going to create a problem, you know, because you have to tug, I mean, really hard to get the things open. Um, and I'm afraid of, you know, problem with that glass. Uh, is there a way that you can take that them things apart and, and grind them off so they can go down further? Or what can I do? Well, you can. That's a little more of a radical solution, but I'm, I'm guessing from your comment that this door is fully installed and trimmed and functional at this point. It's not something that's being installed, and you've discovered the problem. Is, am I correct? That is correct. <clears throat> okay, so typically when I see this, what has happened is that the, the wood subfloor or the concrete floor below that is extremely tight. It may even have a crown or a high spot in it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that creates the issue because for our listeners, what you're describing is a pre-hung door unit, and this is a wooden adjustment piece that you have. It's got multiple screws, and it's well, attached. It's not, to, is that it's correct? It's not wood. It, it's, it's, a, it it's is, aluminum. It's a metal door, but it's a it's a metal door. It's I think it's a metal frame on the things. It's a, the but, type that you get from I can tell you from Lowe's that you know has the, uh, the it's six foot double doors, and uh, I mean I put it. It had a wood thing on, but the but it, but the, the the threshold part that comes that I'm cranking up and down is metal. Okay, so it, it's a two piece threshold though. Some are wood and some I've seen are metal. But what you're right. doing is you're adjusting the top piece as it's attached also to the base, the bottom yeah, piece. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Now, if this were wooden, and I'm glad you clarified that, I right. have seen instances where that piece will come out. The wood piece can be easily cut down, the screws put back in it. So if it starts out, let's say, as three-quarters of an inch thick, maybe you cut it down to a half inch, and then you've got that adjustment you're talking about between the weather stripping on the bottom. I have never seen or cut, had reason to cut, any of the aluminum strips on the bottom. I do know the fasteners will come out. And given what you're talking about, I think you have two options. And first, I'm going to ask you this. If you, have you looked to see if the hinges have any vertical adjustment on them? Some hinges do. Meaning it would allow you to raise the door up on the hinge within the jam. Uh huh. So I would check I, that. Now, if yeah. this is sort of a stock door, it probably does not. But I have purchased doors where the hinges actually have an adjustment in them that lets you raise or lower the door within the jam. You're not taking the screws out of the jam. You're actually well, raising or lowering, so that are, would that would be the first best yeah, option. These are standard, you know, the things that has the pins, you know, that you drive out, but but there's no adjustment okay. on those doors. <clears throat> All right, then your second option to that is to see whether the door bottom. You should have probably a solid vinyl piece on the bottom that is sort of a U shape that encompasses both sides. Yeah, it's it's got a it's a I don't know it maybe it's wood that or something across the bottom, but it's a in fact, I think it's it's almost all like aluminum strip that goes all the way across, and then the the doors do have like a, a rubber. Yeah, they're going to have a sweep of some type on the bottom. Yeah, it's on the, it's on the bottom. Yeah. Look, look and see if you have any adjustment in that sweep, or go back to your supplier and see if they the manufacturer produces one that's not as deep. You know, if this one projects down right now, say a half inch, see if you can find one that only projects a quarter of an inch. And well, they're, as, they're as your molded door, pardon me. I said it looks like to me they were molded on the door. Okay. Well, typically they have to be in a form that they can be replaced because they're going to wear over time. Right. That, that neoprene strip will wear out and it will need to be replaced. So look at that and see if you can figure out how to either adjust it 
or see if the manufacturer produces one that's not as deep as the one you have right now because it will wear, I promise you, and in a few years you'll need to replace it. Right. And then your third option, and this is short of tearing the whole door out, is mm-hmm. going to be to see, and again, I can't tell you that I've, I told you a moment ago, I've never done this, see if that aluminum piece on the top can be pulled out and then cut down so that you can actually cause it to be a little tighter to the base because the base piece is built into your side jams. And your last alternative with this really is going to be to take that door out of that opening. I know you don't want to hear that. Raise it up slightly because you probably, again, have somewhat of a crown in the floor that's raising that thing up at the bottom. Before you installed it, there should have been a reasonable clearance and some room to adjust it unless it was just outright manufactured incorrectly. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'll see what I can do. All right. But start with the easy first. I'm always about easy and always about inexpensive, and I've tried to start you there. So look at those and see if you can deal with the door bottom adjustment before you deal with the threshold. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate you listening, and thanks for the call. Thank you, Bobby. Uh, real quick, we've got our handy website of the week. And what does this one deal with? We do. For all of those out there that are do-it-yourselfers and you've dealt with drywall repairs or maybe you're hanging some new sheetrock in the house, we've got a product that's fairly new in the market from CertainTeed, and it's called Easy Fill Dustaway. Now, Dustaway drywall compound reduces the amount of airborne debris generated during the sanding operation, which we all hate, it reduces it by 70% compared to standard drywall compound. Now, the product's technology causes the dust associated with the compound sanding to clump rather than become airborne and simply fall to the floor, making it faster and easier. You can find out more about this at our website of the week, which is CertainTeed.com. You'll find not only dust away, but many other unique products that make doing home repairs a whole lot easier and a lot less messy. All right, before we go, we got somewhat interesting email question from Marguerite from Northern Virginia, and she wants to know, Ken, why does it seem like today's homes are built so quickly? Yeah, she's as curious as a lot of people are. Said it seems like they go up overnight. So there was a vacant lot next door, and just a few weeks later, it seems like there's a two-story house. Well, Marguerite, I'll tell you that the technology in construction has changed drastically in the last few years. Builders are a lot smarter about what they're doing. They're spending more time with not only technology, but with coordinating products and coordinating activities on site. One of the things that they're using are design tools called Building Information Modeling, or BIM. This also helps them when it comes to construction because this actually overlays ductwork and wiring and duct chases and framing and structural members, which reduces conflicts in these homes so that they really can see homes almost in a 3D manner before they're constructed. It coordinates those interior parts and pieces, and it makes things move along a whole lot quicker. So what I can tell you is that builders are just a lot smarter and a lot more in tune to time these days. And how much of the product can be assembled in advance and then brought into the particular job site? You know, in some cases, the walls are completely fabricated off-site. Certainly trusses, floor joists, they have been. So that's the other element that helps it. While framers are working on site, many of these other items like trusses are being prefabbed off-site. They're brought in to fit the schedule. That'll do it for this hour of Ken the Contractor, where folks come for professional answers. For Ken Patterson, I'm Jim Britt. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, if you have a question for Ken, you can always reach him at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor.
You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.